Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Conway, at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And before I introduce my guest here, a typical stalwart of the program, Matt Sells, little under the weather, recovering his voice, said he had a little bit of a cold. I think he just might have been yelling at the TV a little bit too much for baseball over the weekend or if there were any NASCAR-related events. But alas, he's at the salesman on Twitter. Send him a tweet. Let him know you're thinking about him. Hope he gets better, and hopefully we'll hear his charming voice on next week's episode. But with me, as always, still no update on the Twitter handle, <laughs> James Grande at the underscore real underscore Grande. So, James, how is everything going for you? Everything's good, man. Um, another week. Um, another More disappointing losses for the Yankees. Two to Oakland. So that's absolutely brutal. Uh, or two to the Athletics. I don't know what I said. I might have said to the Yankees, which... They might be beating themselves, too. Um, but hopefully Matt feels better next week. And you know what? Take a week off, Matt, because next week, September call-ups. Matt, you know, Matt's like, this is Matt's favorite time of the year, September 1st. Some people like Christmas. Um, you know, people are normal, like Christmas. Some people like Thanksgiving. Um, Matt Sells' favorite day of the year is September 1st when when the call-ups are here. So uh, next week, Matt should be back with the with the voice rested and, and all the prospects being called up. So, um yeah, everything's good on my end, and uh, looking forward to get through this podcast with you, brother. Yeah, and pretty much what we won't hear from Matt this week will be made up for in more than what we lost this week. Uh, right. You may not hear me talk all that much next week other than basically just uh, serving up Matt <laughs> on players. And like, It could just be like a Matt insert prospect. Please talk about him. And then Matt's going to go on a tangent, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll say, that sounds great. Should we ask more <laughs> fantasy teams? And then we're going to go right on to the next one. And Matt will get to shine next week with the September calls. We do have a couple prospect notes here that we'll talk about here today, and we'll make sure we get Matt's take on them next week as well. Right. But before we talk about prospects, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Pittsburgh, or I'm sorry, Philly was able to welcome back Bryce Harper. One door opens, one door closes. The door on Zach Wheeler, unfortunately, had to close in this case as he heads to the IL with, I believe it was forearm tendonitis. I, they lost me at forearm. Whenever I hear forearm, I know what the first thing I worry about long-term mm -hmm. is going to be. Um, is there anything else that I've missed on Wheeler? I don't believe he's been ruled out for the season yet, but it's something that I'm, this has enough with the, the limited number of games that are left in the season for fantasy purposes. He might just be all about done for us this season. I mean, it's interesting what he was saying, how he was saying he was ready to pitch that day. 
that he was scratched and then ultimately placed on the IL. Um, he said he's been dealing, like he's dealt with this a lot throughout his career, which is that's not good. Uh, very concerning. Um, but it, everything that he was also saying, like, makes it seem like he's going to pitch again. Um, now this injury doesn't sound like it's a Nestor Cortez, like, just you know, take some time off. It seems like a legitimate thing, but yeah. Who knows how long he's going to be out? There's not a lot of time left in the air. We have about a month left. Um, so, like, I'm not dropping him right now. But um, if I don't have any available IL spots, then, you know, you got to do what you got to do at this point. You can't just hold on to someone that may or may not pitch again this year. So, I agree. It's if you have if you have the IL spot, I think it's he's a worthy hold. If you don't. I think you got to send him packing because at this point, like if you're fighting for your playoff life or, um, you know, you need a regular season title is on the line and, and money's involved. I mean, drop Wheeler if, if you can't hold on to him. So The hope, apparently the, the, everyone is very confident that he's going to make his start on September 6th, which comes against the Marlins, which would be a good matchup. There's just, there's a lot at play here. Like he's going to miss a little bit of time. Right. Elbow's a little sore. A lot of questions. You're right. If you have the IL spots, there's no need to drop them. But at this point, like I know one of my home leagues um, this week as we're recording is my last regular season game before the right. playoffs. If you're going to come into these games where every spot matters, holding Zach Wheeler for the hopes of getting him for your next matchup could be, you know, it could be the equivalent of the old, like when I used to play travel baseball, we used to – you wanted to save your ace for the championship. Game. Yep. Well, if yep. you don't win the semifinal game, it doesn't mean anything. Yep. Now you just saved him so that he can throw the first game on Saturday of the following <laughs> week when it doesn't mean anything. So yep. that's kind of what it seems like to me. If you have the IL spot, yeah, go ahead and do it. And if you have other bad players on your IL who aren't going to make an impact in the week that lies ahead, drop them, move Wheeler there. But I just – I don't want to be in a spot where I'm forced to either have to drop him or hold him with the hopes of that I can advance without a dominant start from Wheeler with my team. So it's, it's tough at this point of the season, you're going to see bigger name players drop in your fantasy yep. leagues, because again, we're down to what 35 ish games for most teams, the rest of the way. So we'll have to see what happens there. But in New York, you kind of talked about one Nestor Cortez has gone to the injured list. It's, it's tough. Actually, let me say this. It's not tough. It's Murphy's law. When you're a team that lacks pitching and you trade away pitching, <laughs> the pitching that you have is inevitably going to deal with some hardships. So, you know, since the July 1st, Jamison Tyon has been abused by the long ball. Now, Nestor Cortez is injured. We're going to get to the bullpen in a second because I don't even know what you make of that. But Nestor Cortez, injured list due to a groin strain, hoping he'll be able to return in September without a long stint on the injured list. What says you, James? Oh, the injury is fabricated. Bull, bull poop. It's a Dodgers uh, phantom injury? Is that what we're it's talking about? It's 100% a phantom injury. Um, if you listen to Aaron Boone speak, if you listen to Nestor Cortez speak, um, if you watched Nestor Cortez the day he was placed on the IL play catch and run in the outfield with Aaron Boone, um, it's a, with no limp. He's not walking around in any capacity like he's hurt. It's a phantom injury. Um, the Yankees have openly talked about how they were worried about his innings and how this is, he's already, you know, capped the most he's ever thrown. 
this is an absolute 15 day stretch of rest. Um, I'm sure he's still getting his work. I don't believe this latest comment from Aaron Boone saying, oh, we were hopeful he, he comes back on the 15th day mark. Like he's going to come back on the 15th day mark. Not concerned at all. But, you know, it obviously hurts our fantasy teams because, like, we were just talking about Wheeler. If you're in a playoff position and need a start, you know, you have a tough dilemma on your hands. Um, I like what we saw from Nestor Cortez. I mean, he had one of his best starts in quite a while prior to this IL stint. Um, I'm not worried about him long term. The only thing we are really worrying about is is does he have fantasy value for the rest of the year i mean what are you going to get out of him two three starts max so that's something that you have to ask yourself is it worth keeping nestor for two to three starts because that's what i assume he makes after he's back from the 15 day and again if you're in a obviously not in a roto format but if you're in a matchup based setup you know, great, you might be able to get him back for maybe the championship game, but he'd be coming off missing multiple weeks, and that's assuming you even make it to the big dance. So, yeah, um, he might end up being dropped. Quick update on the Yankees' bullpen. Uh, Looks like Clay Holmes is uh, had a bullpen session. Looks like he could be joining the the rotation. Whenever I think of Yankees and pitching, (laughs) it's just rotation. That's the first thing my mind goes to. I don't even think about the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, but Holmes through live live BP getting closer should be ready to go here in no time. And then Aroldis Chapman, <laughs> he's been hanging out with Chris Chris Sale <laughs> with these like unfortunate injuries that come about. But don't get me wrong, I love the tattoo portrait of his of I believe it's his sister on his left calf. Love the the sentiment there. But infection, he's now going to miss some time getting some antibiotics. And it's the the loss of Chapman at this point in the season in 2022 has a much less of a sizable impact compared to like two or three years ago when Chapman was in his prime and was just a legit ninth inning dude. I mean, he's now throwing seventh inning. Like it's, he's just an arm in that bullpen at this point. He's not a difference maker, but he's going to be out for a little bit. Um, Does this actually make the Yankees bullpen better perhaps that he maybe might (laughs) not be pitching for a little bit. And obviously Holmes might be making his return if he can get back to where he was. Uh, prior to the injury yeah i mean it definitely i mean seeing chapman in games is these days are spurtle it's watch through your fingers right like you're you got your left eye covered and your right eye right eye looking through your middle finger and your ring finger um yeah he stinks uh hopefully holmes can recapture hopefully holmes can recapture form it stinks to see zach Britton was removed from his rehab outing uh over the weekend so just another blow to the Yankees bullpen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chapman, his obviously, you know, when you throw a hundred and you have a slider that you can control 50% of the time, like one day it's going to catch up to you and it's finally caught up to him. So uh, this probably makes the bullpen better. We probably see, you know, more Trevino, more Efros, and hopefully prime, uh clay holmes like we got yankees clay holmes in the beginning of the year and then we got pirates clay holmes before the injury and <laughs> we, we need yankees clay holmes back not pirates clay holmes yeah and then in that same division i don't i don't know what else to say with baltimore than they just continue to get it done you know kyle bradish has made good starts even dean kramer who i try to pick against in dfs all the time or at least i was i've learned since learned my lesson but he's even been serviceable 
and the offense looks good. They have a couple top prospects, um, you know, Gunnar Henderson being the main one. So Baltimore keeps it going. They're right in the thick of things in the wild card race there in the American League. So uh, we talked about it before, but as each passing week comes, Baltimore just continues <laughs> to get it done, six and four in their last 10. So let me give you two yes or no questions. Does Baltimore sneak into the playoffs? And do we see Gunnar Henderson before season's end? Oof. Um, I'm going to, I'll start with the second one. I'm going to go no. And I think the general manager's comments are a little weird if they were going to be called or if they were going to call him up, um, calling him like the youngest player in AAA. But that doesn't mean he wants to take away from what he's doing in AAA, but he's still the youngest player there. Um, so I'll go no, he doesn't get called up, even though he's raking. They're a game and a half behind Toronto, who is, I, I guess, percentage points. So Seattle has the final spot. They're two and a half back of Seattle. I'm going to go no on both. Because I don't think Toronto's offense is going to be this bad. Can, like, they've been pretty bad lately. Um, I think Seattle's offense will show up a little more than they have. Um, so I'm going to go no. They're not going to get past the Rays. They're not going to get – they'll probably finish right where they are currently. Um, but I don't think that they make the playoffs, and I don't think Henderson gets called up. And then fantasy baseball managers. I mean, what Adley Rushman has done after the first little bit after his call-up, um, obviously there's some growing pains there, but, I mean, he's been just – I don't even know how he's – phenomenal i guess is the only yeah. word that i can come up with you just look at his numbers and if it weren't for the, the struggles that he had early early on when he first got called up and everybody was all really you know kind of worried about him but when we're looking at his numbers just from july 1st i'm refreshing my page here to make sure i'm accurate but since july 1st as a catcher mind you 278 average 386 woba 157 wrc plus five home runs two stolen bases i mean he where where does he go behind the dish in drafts next year? He's going to be young. You got to think Baltimore is going to, I think that outlook on them is going to be more positive heading into next yep. year. And if we see any sure. of those prospects come up, I mean, how high can Rushman go in drafts next year as a premier offensive talent at a position that lacks, you know, well, high end options and really depth <laughs> if we're being honest. I mean, is it crazy to say that he's the top option on the I board? Mean, I don't think so. I mean, um, we look, I mean, just think about it. If we go back, just even looking at the guys coming into this year behind the dish, Sal Perez is not going to be there. No. Real Muto, you have a case. That's, he's going to be there. That's if they, Will Smith, Dalton Varsho, Wilson Contreras, my guy, Wilson, um, Alejandro Kirk. I mean, Rushman was going, looking at uh, some NFC ADP data, looking at it here from October 2021 all the way through this season and such. I mean, there were times in drafts he was going right around the top 10 without ever even playing a Major League Baseball right. game. Now he has that underneath his belt. I mean, I would, I'd say he's going he's gonna to go in the top five at least, and you know, he might not be five, four, or three in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think, so he, like you said, he was what, aggregate, he was the 13th catcher off the board without knowing that he wasn't even going to start the year in the Major Leagues? Yeah, so I we mean, looked from October 1st, 2021 – let me get back here to right before the season. We'll just put April 1st just to kind of ballpark it there and make for a nice number. 
From October 1st, 2021 to April 1 of 2022, Adley Rushman was a 10th catcher off the board with no guarantee of being up for opening <laughs> Zero. Day. Zero. I mean, he's the... So, Salvi was a top 30 pick this year yep. on almost all platforms, right? He was 26 on NFBC. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's gone right there. That's that's You probably put him in that Salvi range. So, what is that? Early third? You could probably see him sneak into late second. I mean, he's going to be, even with his bad start, and even though Julio Rodriguez has been tremendous, like there's people like, oh, could Rutschman steal the AL Rookie of the Year away? It's like, hold on a second. I mean, he really could because he's been that good. So, yeah, I think he's the number one catcher off the board, probably early second or late second, early third, just like we saw Salvador Perez in – um, 2021 drafts. Yep, and of qualified catchers since since July 1st, Rushman is you know I said the five home runs, two stolen bases, but his 157 WRC plus is third, trailing only JT Realmuto and Sean Murphy, and his 2.7 WAR is tied for second behind the dish again behind Realmuto and right. Sean Murphy. So if if we're looking at it now, I think knowing me, I might still lean Realmuto over Rushman okay. next season. Um, but after that, I mean, even in, even with real Muto's case, you can make a legitimate argument for Rutschman to right. be perhaps a top catcher. Like it's not outlandish. It's not something where I'm coming in here being like, well, you know, I'm looking here since July 1st and I know Wilson Contreras has stunk or MJ Melendez. So they're going to be my top guy. It's like, right. I love Contreras perhaps more than others, at least in this season I did, but when it's Rutschman and real Muto two R's behind the plate are going to be. Probably the two catchers off the board next year, but yeah. we'll I think see. it's I think it's interesting too. Real Muto was quite bad to begin the year. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just been great in the second half. So, um, you know, uh, much like Rutschman, like they both had like slow starts and then have been super good. So uh, I I don't disagree. I think there's a case for both, but I do think they're probably one one A one B in whatever way you you want to dress that up. And the recency bias with how Real Muto, if the season like were to end today, you know, Real Muto's quote end of year push is sure. going to be something that people are going to think. And I mean, just using that same July 1st date, Real Muto is a 329 batting average with nine home runs and six stolen bases sure. behind the plate. That's just, that's going to get it done no yep. matter how you look at it. Uh, another prospect talk about Corbin Carroll gets the call for the Dimebacks. He was a consensus top prospect. Um, coming in his minor league numbers like most are just outlandish yep so he deserved you know all the pedigree with it but this year in the minors across you know the the leagues there he's 307 24 homers 31 stolen bases he's done that across a couple <laughs> different campaigns but let's we'll mostly look just at triple a here 33 games there 287 average with seven homers and 11 stolen bases in only 33 games um elite prospect Arizona's got to play him every day. There's no point to call yep. him up at this point of the season and not play him. So he's going to play every day. Um, obviously, we talked about it before. The must-add label is always tough because I'm not going to add, as much as I like Carroll as a prospect, I'm not going to add him if it means dropping Mike Trout or somebody because I have a loaded <laughs> outfield. But in, if you need the help, he can impact your fantasy team across all five categories for the final month of the season. Absolutely. Yeah, and any capacity that you need outfield help, He's a must-add. How about that? In any in any way, shape, or form, you need outfield depth. He is a must-add. But you're, like you said, you're not dropping a top 25, 30 guy for him. But um, I mean, there's there's 
if he's going to come up and hit home runs and steal bases at the clip that he's doing, you know, granted, we always, I feel like sometimes the PCL could, uh, you know, it definitely enhances people's numbers, but I mean, he's not, he's a top 20 prospect across the board for a reason. So, yep. And like I said, all five categories, that is how he, he's going to get it done. That's going to be his claim to fame. And another outfielder in Arizona interested, uh, we might have to add him to this little segment. We're going to come up here at the end, but Jake McCarthy has been really good now in deeper leagues. He might already be at it, but I even think in shallower formats, it might be time to consider him 68 games played this year, four homers. Fine. Does have 12 stolen bases. He's hitting 291. He does have a 358 Babbitt, which has given him a little bit of a boost there. Uh, and then his 298 expected Woba is drastically different than his 344 <laughs> Woba. But 119 WRC plus indicates he is better than league average in terms of that. He's a guy that can get it done. He has no significant split advantage or disadvantage, hitting 300 against lefties and 289 against righties. Um, Carroll's coming up. That's going to be another guy that's got to play. So we'll see what happens to McCarthy's at bats. But you got to think, and even perhaps now in shallower formats, if you need speed, McCarthy's a guy that should probably be owned in most formats. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, I picked him up in a few leagues multiple weeks ago. Um, as soon as they traded David Peralta, I was on McCarthy. Um, 32 games, 10 stolen bases in the second half of the year. Uh, and that's after 32 first half games, only two stolen bases. So now that he's given the opportunity, hitting 333 since the break, Colby, like, the guy is doing everything. He's not a, a very powerful guy. He's not going to help you in terms of home run ratios. Does have eight doubles since the break. So, like, you know, he does have some, you know, ability to hit the ball in the gap. Uh, but his bread and butter is the speed. And if he's also going to give you a 300-plus average, yeah, I think in all formats that you need speed and you need help in ratios in terms of average. I think McCarthy's a great pickup. I'm I'm interested, like, if he's going to play this good, they're not going to bench him. Like, even with Corbin Carroll getting called up, like, they'll figure it out. I know um, Varsho's there and Alec Thomas and stuff, but, I mean, I just can't see them benching a guy that is just, you know, hitting 300 and giving them whatever they need offensively, like, in terms of, you know, getting on base, getting to second, putting himself in scoring position every time he's on base. So, um, yeah, I love... Jake McCarthy in shallow formats. I love him in all formats. Yep, and that speed is legit. In Kansas City, Brady Singer's really turned it around. I know. I think I like him coming into the year a little bit of a slower start um, and kind of just went through the summer months, but he's really, really picked it up of late. If you just go back to, just say, the start of July, it just seems like the pretty good time frame here. But in 10 starts since uh, the calendar has flipped to July, 10.1K per nine. Home run per nine is down underneath one, which is great. 2.14 ERA and a FIP and XFIP at three or in the low threes. Absolutely phenomenal for Kansas City. Fantasy managers who picked him up down the stretch here have enjoyed it as he has at least five strikeouts and all but one of his last uh, 10 starts. Looking at it here with a couple sevens and a nine even mixed in there. So Brady Singer has really emerged for Kansas City. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. As a you know, 26-year-old, can Kansas City put enough around him to help him out you know, moving forward? Because despite the 10 starts, he is 4-1, and one, but he that offense just doesn't do much for him. He doesn't get right. a ton of help. So what can happen with him down the rest of the way? He's going to be good for strikeouts. He should continue to pitch well. But more so looking into 2023, what can we expect with Singer? I mean, the stuff is there. The stuff's always been there. He's just putting it together now. Still going to be 26 years old going into next season. Um, 
I like them quite a bit. If the, if the strikeout stuff is going to continue, I mean, 29% K rate since the break, if that's going to be something that he can hang his hat on, um, and he's been more dominant against lefties too, which, uh, I mean, keep stockpiling lefties against him, and he's going to keep mowing them down. I think there's a lot to like next year um, in terms of, like, how to assess him. I mean, he's not going to, like, you don't, you're not going to need to take him in the first 100 picks of next year's draft, but um, I could see him being, what, a top 50 pitcher next year? I mean, coming into the year, the 50th pitcher drafted this year was Logan Gilbert, right? That was that was your SP 50, uh, in or, well, I guess that's including relievers, so just pitcher 50. I mean, if he's, no, I could see myself taking Brady Singer. You can get Brady Singer after that, most likely. I mean, sign me up. I, a lot of strikeout upside. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be for me, Colby. He's going to be the 2023 version of what I wanted Patrick Sandoval to be in in 2022. I, yeah. I mean, I can, I can definitely see that. One thing I did find interesting with Singer, when you look at his pitch usage this year is going from June. He's used the slider a little bit more. The changeups dropped a little bit. He hardly throws his four-seamer at all. He's just sinker slider changeup. And just the development there, he, he always needed a, that third pitch. That was pretty much it. When you look even back in 2021, sinker and slider was 96% of what he threw. Right. So just adding another, adding a tertiary option in there is what he needed. And that's, I, I don't want to say fueled it, but it's, it's definitely noticeable here in the later months of the season. Uh, one thing I do want to add uh, this actually popped up in our Discord. Shout out Pete Cole for the update here. But Tony Gonson was scratched from Monday start mm-hmm. as he goes to the IL. Dodgers are known for phantom stints. However, I hate the term forum, which I've already said with Zach Wheeler. Right. Um, and Gonson has been nothing short of good and lucky for the Dodgers this <laughs> season. I, you know, he's been good. Don't get me Six, wrong. But 16 and 1, Colby. He, yeah, for sure. He's been good. I mean, there's definitely some elements of luck involved. Sometimes better right. to be lucky than good. He has been good. Um, you don't trip and fall into a 16 and one record. I'll give him that. Um, but he's on the IL now, and we've talked about the Dodgers so much in terms of their pitching staff. I don't know how many more injuries they can endure. They're still making the postseason. That's not really a question at this point. They're going to be fine. But once we get in to October, do the Dodgers have enough horses to make a run at this thing? So I find this interesting because he threw 77 pitches his last game and they were up seven one and he got through five innings against Milwaukee of just one run baseball. And they were just like, they just pulled the plug. And I think you're spot on. I think it's completely an innings thing. Um, I almost think there's no question about it because there's been no history. I mean, I know he has a history of injury, so I guess that's scary. And I know the forum is also scary. Um, but this year he's been since, you know, he's been in good form. Just just feels weird. Just feels like a phantom injury. I think if he's back um, by the time the playoffs come around, I do think they have enough. We've talked about it a bunch. Like, they're going to get Kershaw back for the postseason, albeit, you know, in whatever limitations he may endure. Um, but if him, Tyler Anderson, continue to pitch well, Dustin May, you know, in the back pocket – um, and then Julio Urias, they have been, they have all been super good. So um, they're obviously it's going to be a tough to like match up against the Mets. So hopefully, you know, if they're sitting there thinking like, let's not match up with the Mets because that is not fun. But you know, as long as Gonsolin comes back and this is 
you know, just either fatigue or just a phantom injury, I think they should be fine. But it does probably hinge on Gonsolin's health going into next year as well. And it's looking at the numbers, like back in 2018 in the minors, he did log about 128 innings. 2019, it was 81. 2020, just 46, but that's a shortened season. And then 2021, including trips in the minors and stuff, we're only looking at 67 innings pitched last year, give or take, you know, adding some of the extra outs and stuff. So say right around 70. And then in the, let's see, in the postseason, he added four. So we're talking mid, low to mid 70s in innings last year. And we're up to 128 this right. year, which is a career high at this point in terms of uh, major league workload. Um, I think th- there definitely could be, here's the thing. I think both of the following statements can be true in that it's a reason to rest him a little bit. And then there is maybe something, maybe a little twinge in the forearm. Right. I think both statements can be true, but the Dodgers have to get arms healthy for October. That's what sure. it comes down to. That is what the, that's what they're doing here. Um, James, let's talk a little bit here about a little uh, players to add or not to add a little homage to Shakespeare there with the to add or not to add with switching out <laughs> a little bit of the words there. So let's start with your boy Lars that you love to talk about. I think I see you talking about him in the disc, the discord a good <laughs> bit every now and then um, 24 year old outfielder in St. Louis. I know personally when I see a right-hander on the mound, he is an interesting play for DFS purposes, but should fantasy baseball managers, obviously daily setups. I think I know the answer here, but tell me about the St. Louis's outfielder who goes by Lars. Yeah, I mean, he's an ad. Um, he has been tremendous in the second half of the year in the power department. He does have a little speed, two stolen bases since the break, too. Um, I mean, 961 OPS, 257 ISO, 409 Woba. They started hitting him leadoff against uh, right-handed pitchers. There's really nothing to dislike. You know anyone hitting in front of Goldschmidt and Arenado are going to score if they reach base. So... He's going to help you in the runs department. He's going to drive in his own runs because he's a super powerful dude against right-handed pitching, specifically all nine home runs hitting against righties this year. Um, and he has some speed too. So, yeah, I think Lars Newbar is a 100% add. Um, again, must add is tricky, but if you need outfielders, no question about it. Uh, and he's been – he's probably the most popular ad right now in the outfield. So – um, I, I think no doubt down the stretch run, Lars Newbar, one of the best pickups on the waiver wire right now. He's one of them. I, I, if I had to guess, Corbin Carroll is probably going to be fair because you know how everyone is with their prospects. Yep. You know, they, they get all giddy like Matt Sells does. Uh, yeah, but Matt that's Sells two different things. Twitter. But those are two Very different true. things. Those Very are true. two different things. The, the best pickup and the, the person the people want the most, two different things. Um, and I'm not saying Carroll won't be better than Newbar. But we're seeing the major league production from Newbar right now, whereas we have to see it from Carroll. Like we have no evidence that he won't be Jared Kelnick, right? Um, so, you know, it take take and one is going into Arizona's offense, which is not St. Louis' offense. So, um, Newbar is definitely going to get more pitches to hit. I'll say that. Yep. And then the only thing I'm just going to throw this out about Newbar, it's no, it's no knock on him. You know, he doesn't make the schedule. I just. He hasn't faced Pittsburgh yet. <laughs> I don't know if we can get a full evaluation until we see him. I believe, I think I remember Matt saying that St. Louis and Pittsburgh have a couple games down the stretch. So I think the final be... six games, right? Cause we were yeah. talking about the pool holes, the pool holes yes. thing. It's like the first 
the last three are in Pittsburgh. The three before that are in St. Louis. Yep. I'll, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to reserve my judgment until I see it then. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. No, he definitely, definitely a must add, especially if your league does daily moves where you can just swap him in and out depending on the uh, the handedness of the opposing starter. Sign me up for Newt Bar against righties and Tampa Bay. Twenty-seven year old Harold Ramirez. His his percentile rankings on st- uh, baseball savant for Stackhouse are just. I love it. We have a, a second percentile chase rate. However, <laughs> we're talking 92nd percentile max exit velocity, 95th percentile expected batting average, and somehow with a second percentile chase rate, we're only, we're talking about a 90th percentile strikeout rate. That is phenomenal. I mean, yep. that's just you know I'm going to leave yep. the zone all the time, but I know I'm not going to strike out. <laughs> I'm, just, yep. I'm just I'm just that dude, or he's him, I guess, as the people are saying now. <laughs> Uh, the young kids out there trying to stay hip, but just a 14 and a half percent strikeout rate expected batting average of 288. He's hitting 325. you know, the home runs stolen bases. You're not getting a ton there, but we've, you know, for me, he's an ad because we've seen it where you can use guys like him. Even if you only benefit from the batting average, you know, somebody else in your team could be hitting 250, but be a power and stolen base right. machine Use Ramirez as 325 batting average. Boom, you now have yourself an elite fantasy player. So for me, Ramirez is an ad. What about for you? Same. Um, there, I mean, he can't do you wrong. If he's going to continue to um, hit 300 plus every single month, every year this year, Colby, I think this has just been like so under the radar. Except for May, he's hit over 308. Um, he hit 400 in July. He hit 369 in nice in June um, and 309 and 308 so far in August. Like, again, you, you mentioned it. He's not going to hit for power, um, but he's hitting in the middle of a surging team. Um, Tampa Bay just, just gets these guys by the truckload. Just let me, uh, Billy Bean, like the Billy Bean method to every degree. Um, he, they just, Yandy Diaz, Harold, they're going to hit 300. They're not going to hit for a lot of power. And they're going to help you win baseball games. And they're going to help you win fantasy games. Like you said, he's going to continue to help out your in the average department. So, yeah, I think Harold Ramirez is definitely an ad. And a lot of formats, he's going to be he's going to have the first base and outfield eligibility, too. Yeah, that's the thing. The, you can't bank on the power production. Even going back to 2019, he has a ground ball rate of at least 50% every season. Yep. He, he's going to run into some home runs every now and again. Like in 2019, we saw him get to double digits. That's best case scenario. Yep. Add a couple stolen bases. He's His main fantasy value comes from his batting average. That's just yep. what it is going to be with him. We have TJ Friedel in, I believe it is, yep, 27-year-old Cincinnati. Looking at him here on the year. Two home runs, six stolen bases across 41 games, 252 batting average. Yeah, you know, so be it. But he is in Great American Small Park. So yep. home contests are going to boost him up a good bit. And when you look at his splits, uh, it looks like, I mean, he's got a good average against lefties, but his exposure to them has been kind of limited there. Yep. So what do we make of Friedel and Cincinnati? Obviously, the ballpark is a huge boost. Yeah, I mean, I think what draws me to him is kind of um, we're not – the power seems a little fluky. Um, I know there's not a lot of home runs on the year. He's only hit two in the last this year, and they've both come in the last 10 games. Um, but he has a lot of speed, and we're getting that right now. I mean, just over the last 10 games, he has six extra base hits, two doubles, two triples, two home runs, and he has a stolen base over that span as well. He gets to hit in Great American. 
from the he hits, I think, from the left side. Yeah, I, I thought he was a switch hitter for a second, but he hits from the left side. Um, I love that. Um, now, am I going out and dropping like anyone, just anyone for him? No, but if you're really desperate for outfield help, I think Fredo is an add. Um, just based on his, I mean, 394 in the second half so far, Colby. Um, 1,200 OPS over that span, 500 Woba, I get it. 12-game sample, whatever it is. 12-game sample, and then on top of that, you you get to play your home games in Great American. Um, I think you could do worse. He's an ad. He's a fringe ad for me, um, but someone who can provide some speed and, and does have a little pop as well. And then in Detroit, kind of similar to Brady Singers, really yep. come on here late. The offense is not going to put him in great spots for, you know, wins when you look at some of his starts here like against the angels you know one earned run over seven innings and he gets stuck with a loss you know they're <laughs> just there it's gonna happen with matt manning in detroit but since coming back here over his last five starts we're talking a 2.4 era the fip is in the low threes x fips up in the fours but that is what it is it doesn't generate a ton of ground balls but he does have an 8.1 k per nine during that stretch, 291 BAP isn't too bad there. And when you look at his plate discipline marks on fan graphs, this is, these are the numbers I love looking at. 33.3% O swing rate, so third of the time generating mm-hmm. swings out of the zone with a 12.2% swinging strike rate. That's how you project the you know strikeout viability. You know, if someone has a, a lofty strikeout, they don't get many swings and misses. Eventually, it's going to come down. You got to miss bats to get strikeouts. That's just that's the name of the game. And Manning can and has done that. He's only 24 years old. Still growing into it. We've seen a little bit of him at the big league level. Um, I would probably say most would categorize it as a little bit of hit or miss. Yep. Um, it's probably the easiest way to describe it. I mean, 2021, there was just no strikeouts. Yeah, more hits. That was it an outlier. Def- or definitely more miss than... Uh... Yeah. yeah, more miss. But this year is the first kind of inkling of the hits that we are seeing um, still only a 7.3 K per nine in the year. But like I said, it's ticked up a little bit of late. So down the stretch, can Matt Manning be a, a help to fantasy teams in need of pitching? Yep. And I think, I mean that the K rates watered down by the beginning of the year. I mean, three, three appearances prior to the injury or two appearances, rather, rather two strikeouts in each, like, um, since coming back, he had the one strikeout game against Minnesota, but seven, five, six, eight in the last four. Um, and you mentioned only one of those games have been poor against the White Sox. Four, and so, and and the ballpark in in uh, Chicago has been very hitter friendly this year. So, yeah, I think Manny can help. I, I mean, you guys, go to your waiver wire and look at starting pitching. It's bleak everywhere. It's terrible. Um, there's no reason Detroit's not going to give Manning the the ball every fifth day. And as you mentioned, he's generating. 11.5% swinging strike rate. you love to see that. Um, and, you know, coincidentally, the strikeouts are on the rise. So, um, yeah, I think Manning is an ad, uh, especially just given how poor pitching is the rest of the year. And there's no reason not that he won't get, what, another five starts this year? I mean, um, if he continues to pitch this way, five-plus strikeouts each, you know, in the last five starts of the year, I mean, that can, that can really help going uh, into your postseason run. And then as we wrap up this week's episode of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast, a quick level of concern, but I'm going to switch it up a little bit on you. So Justin Verlander left his last start with right calf discomfort. Obviously, the Astros need him for their hopeful push in the postseason. And Ronald Acuna has been dealing with, quote-unquote, sharp pains in his right knee that was surgically repaired. Uh, He says he's confident that he'll be in the lineup, whereas Verlander, the status is still a little mum 
there. So between the two of them, from a fantasy perspective, uh, whom has a higher level of concern in your mind? Is it going to be Verlander with the calf or Acuna with the sharp pains in the knee? I'm going to go Verlander um, because the expectation is Acuna's going to return. Whereas, like, we still don't know about Verlander and he's a lot older. <laughs> like, no offense to Verlander, but I mean, he's 39. And Acuna's expected to be in the lineup on Tuesday, so we're going to get another day off Monday. Um, so I'll go Verlander until... But it's like kind of up in the air. Until we know more, I just feel like by default I have to go just from Verlander. I am as well, and I think that plays out in reality as well. The, yep. I think it's unfair to say that the, the Braves don't need Acuna because they do, but if we're going to go comparison in a vacuum... I think the Braves can do it without Acuna. I do not think the Astros can do it without Verlander. They, they did it last year. And exactly. The Braves, they did. That they did. So I think that just rings true there again. So I think that is the move there. I think Verlander is the more worrisome one for the time being till we get some more information there. But, you know, that is going to be it for this week's edition. Head over to FantasyAlarm.com for all the baseball content. The draft guide is free. Check that out. We have all so much good content coming out there with the season right around the corner. Yes, my Texans went undefeated in the preseason, and you can win your fantasy football leagues just like the Texans did in the preseason because I don't know when they'll win again. And you can, <laughs> and you, can you know, use the draft guide, use the ultimate cheat sheet, check out all the content. It is a must for anyone that has your fantasy football drafts upcoming. So check that out. Get the free draft guide, fantasyalarm.com. Make sure you give James a follow as well at the underscore real underscore grande. Send Matt Sells a tweet at the salesman. Let him know you hope you feel better and you just want, can't wait to hear his sweet, sweet voice talk about prospects in next week's edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And give me a follow if you feel so inclined at Colby R. Conway. So that is it for this week. And we will see you next week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.